Hi, this is Pam Johnson. Today I will be speaking about pearls and pitfalls in cardiopulmonary imaging. This includes the heart, the thoracic aorta, and the pulmonary arterial vasculature. And this is based on an exhibit that we recently submitted to the RSNA. And the, the purpose of this exhibit is it's not really to be comprehensive, but to d- demonstrate and discuss some of the potential mistakes and misdiagnoses you could make based on protocol design and also some interpretative pitfalls. And then a number of experience-based pearls to help avoid these uh, misdiagnoses. So with as we've discussed with many other talks, protocol design is critical in maximizing your diagnostic accuracy. So here's the table of contents for this talk. In the, in the heart, we're going to talk about right atrial and right ventricular thrombus, metastases to the heart, left atrial appendage thrombus, and, and things that mimic thrombus in the left atrial appendage, left ventricular thrombus, and then a rare case of left ventricular myocardial calcification. On the topic of pulmonary artery, I'll review some of the CT appearances of pulmonary infarction and the importance of recognizing right heart strain, diagnostic pitfalls in pulmonary embolism imaging, and then some unique scenarios that pertain to identification of pulmonary emboli. With respect to the thoracic aorta, we will review some uh, aortic root pathology, including pseudoaneurysms and and the proper protocol for imaging the postoperative patient who's had an aortic root repair. And then some pitfalls, including the pseudo-anomalous origin of the right coronary artery and potentially mistaking an elephant trunk prosthesis for an aortic dissection. If you've never seen the imaging appearance of a patient who has this type of aortic repair. And then finally, um, the, the problems that arise when there is cardiac pulsation artifact that can mimic aortic root pathology. So let's get started. Here we have a case of um, right atrial thrombus, and one of the problem areas is, is the superior vena cava and the upper part of the right atrium and the mixing artifact that occurs from unopacified blood and and contrast. So as you can see in this case, we actually have both of these abnormalities present. We we have a real thrombus, which is um, marked with the red arrow. And then we have mixing artifact from blood in the left subclavian artery um, in the superior vena cava in this patient who had the injection performed in the right arm. So important not to mistake mixing artifact for thrombus. Sometimes it can be very difficult. And really, if there's a question um, of whether there's a real thrombus present, a delayed acquisition will answer the problem. On a delayed acquisition at about 60 seconds, all of the mixing artifact will be resolved. And if there's any residual filling defect, then, um, then it's an actual real thrombus. Another diagnostic pitfall with respect to right atrial thrombus is the crista terminalis, which is a normal anatomic structure along the right wall of the right atrium, and this should not be mistaken for thrombus. In this case, the crista terminalis is marked with the red arrows, and it's usually a very low-density 
structure that conforms to the lateral wall of the right ventricle. It may even be fat density, which is really helpful in making the definitive diagnosis of Christa terminalis as opposed to right atrial thrombus. This is a very interesting case of a patient with a definite large right atrial thrombus. And the patient was uh, sent to CT to rule out pulmonary embolism. This was the patient was scheduled for surgical resection of the thrombus, and prior to cardiac surgery, they wanted to be sure that there were no pulmonary emboli as a result of this large thrombus. So what we see in this case is the thrombus is contiguous with the inferior vena cava, which is some a really important um, feature in this case because what it indicates is that this may just be the tip of the iceberg, and there may be additional thrombus in the inferior vena cava, and this should prompt consideration of diagnoses such as renal cell carcinoma or adrenal cortical carcinoma. The tumors that we know invade the inferior vena cava and can extend into the right heart. So we recommended an abdominal CT in this case, and as we suspected, there was a large infiltrative right renal cell carcinoma that was invading the inferior vena cava and extended along the course of the inferior vena cava to into the right heart. This completely changed the management for this patient. While they still underwent resection of the right atrial thrombus, they also underwent resection of the right renal cell carcinoma and the thrombus within the inferior vena cava. Moving on to the right ventricle, right ventricular thrombus is not something that we see very commonly, but um, it, it can be identified on CT. It's often identified in the apex, as in this case. This is in patients who have other the same risk factors for other types of thrombus, other hypercoagulable patients. Um, but in addition, it a patient who has uh, a low right ventricular ejection fraction or a foreign body, such as an AICD lead or a pacemaker lead, has an increased risk of developing a thrombus in the right ventricle. Here's something that's in the differential diagnosis when we see a filling defect within one of the cardiac chambers, and this is a patient with melanoma that has metastasized to the right ventricle. And in our experience with the melanoma patients, we have noted that these lesions are often subtle. They're, they're not very conspicuous, especially on your standard soft tissue window. So in all melanoma patients, it's really very critical to carefully evaluate all of the chambers of the heart and use a high contrast window, as you see in image B, which um, maximizes the conspicuity of the tumor. Use of MPRs is also very helpful to help you identify and confirm um, what you see on an axial image is it actually is a filling defect within one of the cardiac ventricles. So um, this is one example of met metastatic disease to the heart from melanoma. This can be either in the wall, it can be in the pericardium, or it can actually be within the chamber of one of the uh, atria or ventricles. Let's move on to the left atrial appendage. This is a very a kind of a challenging area for CT imaging, particularly if the scan is not timed properly for imaging the left atrial appendage. So in this case of this 90-year-old patient with chronic atrial fibrillation, we are showing you a real left atrial appendage thrombus. You can see that there's a lobulated soft tissue mass 
in the left atrium. You can see when you look at this scan that the timing is perfect for evaluation of the left atrial appendage. It is filled with contrast other than the large filling defect. And there's homogeneous contrast enhancement within the left atrium and the left atrial appendage. So you have to be sure that your scans are timed properly to uh, avoid a number of potential pitfalls that can mimic a left atrial appendage thrombus. This is something that occurs in patients who have chronic atrial fibrillation um, and, and other risk factors for developing thrombus. Here is one of the two major pitfalls in imaging the left atrial appendage. Here's, in this patient, is a 53-year-old woman who has left arm pain, so we have concern for thrombus um, in the heart, either as a cause of coronary artery disease or embolism to um, the upper extremity arteries, and there appears to be a filling defect within the left atrial appendage. But this is a non-gated study that is not timed properly for evaluation of the left atrium. You can see there's a lot of mixing. There's heterogeneous contrast in the cardiac chambers. The patient went for an echocardiogram and no thrombus was shown, so a repeat CT was performed with proper timing and gating. So the problem in this case is twofold. The first issue is that the scan was not properly timed for a pacification of the left atrial appendage. But another contributor to the pitfall in this case was the fact that the scan was not gated and there was cardiac motion. And what we were actually seeing in that case is volume averaging with the fat in the adjacent pericardium that is mimicking a thrombus within the left atrial appendage. So to really evaluate the, the atrium and the left atrial appendage for the presence of thrombus, a gated study is ideal and one that's timed properly. Here's the... A classic example of the pitfall that results from improper timing in a study that is otherwise um, really very high quality in terms of motion artifact. We can see that there's no motion artifact here, but there is a clearly demarcated uh, um, area of decreased contrast enhancement within the left atrial appendage. And it's, um, as you can see, it's, it's uh, along the horizontal plane. So this should raise your suspicion for a filling defect due to unopacified blood layering on top of the enhanced blood within the lower posterior portion of the left atrial appendage. And this should not be mistaken for a left atrial appendage thrombus. Now, if you think back to the case I showed you two slides ago, the real thrombus has a much more lobulated contour, and it doesn't have this smooth, very straight edge that occurs in the setting of um, admixture of enhanced and unenhanced blood. Okay, let's move on to the left ventricle. So here's a patient who presented with right-sided abdominal pain and suspected appendicitis. CT was performed with oral and IV contrast, and you can see there's a very well-demarcated acute infarct in the right kidney. So what we teach the residents is we don't stop here when we've made this diagnosis because we know that the most common cause of a renal infarct is a thrombus within the heart, and we look carefully at the heart in these patients. Ideally, if you had imaged the chest, you'd have a very good evaluation of the heart, but um, in, many, in most patients with abdominal pain or suspected appendicitis, we're only going to be imaging the abdomen, but we do see the inferior portion of the heart at the top of the scan, and as we can see in this case, there is a large thrombus within the left ventricle. 
What was interesting about this case is it's not the typical configuration for the left ventricular thrombus that we often see, the chronic LV thrombus that we see in many patients who have an old infarct in the left ventricular apex. That's a smooth filling defect that conforms to the configuration of the wall. This was a mobile thrombus that you couldn't even see the attachment to the wall on CT. So you, you, um, we clearly recognize the risk for additional embolus from this thrombus and a critical diagnosis to make um, because of the potential for the patient to embolize to the brain or the heart or other structures. So if a renal infarct is the only sequela, then the patient will do fine, but we, we worry about emboli to the cardiac, um, to the heart, to the brain, and of course to the superior mesenteric artery and bowel ischemia. These are the potential complications of a thrombus in the left ventricle. Patients who are at risk, again, are those who are hypercoagulable, patients who have had prior myocardial infarction or even in the setting of an acute myocardial infarction. There is a risk of developing a left ventricular thrombus. This is a rare case that um, is really important to share because in the event that you happen to see this diagnosis, you can understand the pathophysiology. Um, this was a, a patient with lymphoma pneumonia and pericarditis who developed progressive myocardial calcification. And it's a very unusual um, pathology, very rare, and the potential causes include myocardial infarction, but also myositis and pericarditis. So it's not necessarily an infarction. It may be that there is myositis, which was the presumed diagnosis in this case. And it was fairly rapidly progressing. As you can see, these images were over a 29-day um, period. Why don't we stop there, and I'll come back with part two. Thank you very much. <laughs>